0: Welcome to Something to Declare. Hello David. How are you?
1: I am very well. And how are you, Beth?
0: I am also very well, thank you. I am I'm still COVID negative. I just um wanna tell you that if you work in higher education at the moment, that is quite an achievement. So I don't know what I've done there. Had a lot of vaccines,
1: probably. (laughs) Yeah, well, and congratulations. That's good news. We're pleased (laughs) to hear that.
0: Do you think I might have jinxed it now, though? Like,
1: <laughs> We look forward to hearing uh, how your <laughs> the... few days of isolation have gone next week. <laughs> <laughs>
0: By the time this one goes out, I'll be like, oh, yeah, <laughs> the next day. I'll be done with it.
1: <laughs> um, but welcome as well to our Something to Declare listeners. We're really pleased that you're here. Well, I hope that you're uh, well, and that you've enjoyed the first couple of episodes hearing from Barbara and uh, from John. Uh, we've certainly enjoyed speaking to them and sharing those uh, conversations uh, with you. Um, so, Beth, uh, as part of your work, I know you obviously oversee the chapel life at, at the college, um, and some of that's been online recently. How's that been going?
0: Yeah, it's almost all been online. Um, I prefer embodied worship. I'm going to put it out there. That's... <laughs> trying to do the next slide please thing at the same time as um lead worship is not it's not it's not the same but it, it does give you a huge opportunity and I'm really excited for we've got a really international lineup of preachers and that also um one of the things having learned from this wonderful podcast um I have learned to do is um to edit uh the sermons so that we can put those up as well so um you know appreciate that uh, getting to an online Zoom chapel at a particular time on a Friday is not going to work for everybody. Um, and what I have managed to do is get the sermons online, so people can listen later and at their own leisure. And um, that's really exciting. And and has had a lot a lot of listens, which is nice because I can monitor that from the background and see. And I'm really pleased to say we had the wonderful Jeff Cormer last time. Um, Preacher cracker. So go and listen to it. Um and we had the wonderful David Bunts before then. I'm not saying there's there's a crossover here between our guests and the chapel rotor, but there definitely is. Um and but they are wrote... all
1: the same. Yeah, absolutely.
0: <laughs> um and it's really interesting also that uh, Jeff sent me. Uh, a brownie recipe that he's perfected. And it just just so happens that um, last term I had Tim Haynes come and preach at chapel. And I've always admired his baking because he puts these delicious pictures up on Facebook and I want to eat them. And he brought me brownies. So I just feel like there's a definite emerging brownie link going on in in the kind of selection of preachers I have. And I'm just thinking that maybe one of the things I'm going to say is like, the sermon should be this long and please bring breath like chocolate brownies um so so there but they also the other theme is and uh uh perhaps worth us thinking about because you can give me all your ideas um is that they all complain i pick really hard readings okay Um, so we've been going through both on we have tuesday chapel with the ministerials and then friday evening chapel is our kind of in college service the kind of the big one that normally would be the bigger one before formal hall on a friday um and um i've just happens to be that there's the right amount of parables to fill all of those slots um in luke's gospel and and it is luke's gospel in the lectionary this um is, this year is. Yep. so i've been using those and i i particularly picked the ones for friday based around a book called parables as subversive speech i don't know ah, if you have
1: i have that on my shelf
0: <laughs> <laughs> so um so i i you know a bit politically edgy it's a little nod to the old job and um I called it shameless audacity which is this um phrase in one of them that uh you know surely um you know this man has the shameless or out of the shameless audacity he has that uh, he will answer this even you know and I kind of interested in this idea that um I think for me it's interested the idea of shame as well in there that are we sh- what, what do we do with shame as Christians and this idea of being audacious and how holy are those things and do we think those things are holy so i kind of you know in this idea of the subversive speech and what's going on that was that was the plan anyway but apparently they're really
1: hard so (laughs) well i can confer having been invited to share in march uh in friday chapel that i looked at the reading and thought hmm uh, I shall, I'm gonna to have to uh, dig a bit deeper than double for this, but I'm looking forward to it. And thank you for the invitation. Um, it'll be the very, I mean, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that by the time my date comes round, it might be possible to be in person and we'll, we shall see.
0: And not only that, I am in the process of trying to book a jazz band so that we can do jazz chapel. That's
1: jazz, jazz chapel.
0: <laughs> because I think you're week eight, aren't you? And that's so Oxford, like that. Oxford has eight week terms. And, oh, um, so you're the wow. final chapel before the vacation so it will be um kind of you know it's a big formal hall and i wanted to make it really fun so i'm trying to book a jazz band there's a christian jazz band in oxford and i um tapping them up to come and lead me jazz chapel
1: so superb oh, so well, that will all happen. I'm so lucky. I've never even been to Regents before in any capacity. So um, I am, per- well, I mean, yeah, obviously, so my my presence would deserve uh, a band of some kind. So um,
0: we're literally oh, getting out the fanfare for
1: you. Yeah, li- <laughs> <laughs> rightly so, rightly so. Uh, okay, so you've been in Luke's Gospel. Yeah, there is the Actually, We've, um, on Sunday mornings here, been working through a series of sermons on Deuteronomy. Uh, And so we, I think, are three weeks in, and it's going to take us all the way up to the week before Palm Sunday. Um, We usually have a separate series for Lent, but I've decided to continue Deuteronomy and do other things to mark Lent um, this year. And I've been sort of threatening a a juicy series in Deuteronomy for four or five years now, and uh, it's good to finally get around to preaching it, Uh, although it requires... um, Bit more work than some of the other things that I I might have done, um but it's good. It's good, and really trying to help people get to grips with the Old Testament generally, and also Jesus quotes Deuteronomy more than any other book in the Old Testament. And so, if we're going to start somewhere in the Old Testament, let's start with it. And there's a couple of bits in Deuteronomy that I've preached from and used in other ways um, quite a bit. I thought I want to dig into the rest of the book and I, and the whole idea of. Taking their story and kind of retelling them, but also the the choices that are made in retelling and how that's retold, it's just the whole thing seems fascinating. And the fact that you've got the whole people of God gathered, basically on the boundary of the promised land, and Moses, says, look, before you go in, we need to work out who we are and what's important and how we're going to do this. It just feels, in a way, there's a bit of a as we begin to reemerge mm-hmm. a little bit. There's a bit of a boundary crossing. But before we go back, before we go in. Let's just think about what's important to us and what our touchstones are going to be, and how we're going to live together. And yeah, anyway, it's been great so far. Well, I don't think you know, I've not had any negative feedback so far, so I'll take that. But uh, people that sounds, have been very engaged.
0: That sounds really interesting. So, do you go through and like literally use every chapter, or do you like
1: chop oh, it up, or do you? I would love out- that. I would love that. But I haven't. I haven't got enough. I think if I did that, i w- The amount of Sundays that would take, I might have nobody left by then end so usually i don't do a series that's that long so we did four weeks um, in job uh just before the end of last year exploring suffering through job which all on our website if anyone wants to listen or i think probably on youtube as well um and that worked really well but four weeks was probably enough to talk about suffering and job yeah i think people were ready to move on at the end of that so sometimes we'll work through a book Uh, like like when we we did Mark's gospel a few years ago and we did every verse start to finish that's fine Deuteronomy I'll have I think nine or ten sermons so I've been through this um I think you'll get a thrust of the whole story as we go through it but we're not focusing on each chapter Um, and then depends on sometimes we do thematic stuff so after Easter this year we're going to do a six-week series called Love is the Way which is shamelessly stolen as the title of a book by Bishop Michael Curry that came out in 2020. Yeah. And we're actually going to all read the book as part of our season of Easter together. Church don't know that yet. So if you're in my church, listen to the podcast, you just had an advanced <laughs> warning of that. Uh, and we'll do different things all over parts of scripture there, but we try to mix it up, we try to do old and new Testament um, as much as we can. So having done a lot of Deuteronomy and then we're doing the love is the way we'll probably do something, bit more new testament we might take and mm. um, but one of the things that our church does here um is ever since i've been here is we have taken a good chunk of every year to work through a gospel we've sort of had our own mini lectionary uh, when i arrived they'd done a lot of joshua a lot of david uh, a reasonable amount of paul and so when i was meeting with the leaders we said well how about we do a bit more of jesus for now and because if we get that if we get our understanding of that right the rest might follow from there <laughs> and the other way around so we we spent a whole term we went through john and then luke and, and whatever um and we do that in a variety of ways so that's been really good so i suspect that's what we'll do um for the rest of the summer term is we'll take one of the gospels and do some stuff mm. there where well, there's always so much to say
0: so um, we have this wonderful tradition here where um in the first term of year which is michaelmas term because it's oxford has fancy names for things you do old testament
1: okay and then
0: in uh this term hillary term you do the new um you do the gospel and then in um the third term trinity term you do um another part of the new testament so an epistle Mm -hmm. or revelation or you know acts if you like um and yeah i really i think that's a really clever way of of doing it actually Mm -hmm. um yeah so yeah. it means you do all three
1: each year yeah definitely good now we should oh actually just while we're mentioning that sort of thing i saw um via some baptists together communications i was very good did you notice and i call it baptist together um oh, yeah. whereas i usually I still
0: call it the baptist union and i work there
1: for years. Yeah. I, I do but on point of principle um and the um i just saw some stuff come out that helen painter is putting out some stuff on YouTube uh with the, on the book of Leviticus which I shall be glued to Ooh. and listening to so if anyone else is listening to the podcast and hasn't seen that do get on get on YouTube and and have a have a listen um, but our guest today uh Beth is someone you had a joy to to chat with um, we're gonna hear from Lee Greenwood and uh, I'm really enjoyed listening to your chat with her so let's uh shall we tune in let's tune in
0: Hi, Lee, it's really lovely to have you on.
2: It's really lovely to be here. I'm, I must confess to uh, some degree of imposter syndrome after your previous guests. Um, but I think there is something wonderfully Baptist about having union presidents and college tutors and published authors and, and then me. So, um, so thank you for inviting me.
0: Well, um, there's no imposter syndrome at all because very much the um like the kind of deciding factor of who we invite is people that make us very proud to be Baptists. So um when we when we first came up with it, it was a list of things of like, why are we in this union? And it was because we listed all these people and your name I'm absolutely certain was on that very first list. So don't feel any imposter syndrome at all. <laughs> um so um Lee, do you want to introduce yourself to everybody else? Because I think maybe um uh, I know you but maybe other people haven't heard of you Um, and so do you want to just describe a little bit about who you are, where you are, what you're up to at the moment?
2: Yeah so my name is Lee Greenwood. Um, I am minister at Stonygate Baptist Church in Leicester. I've been here just coming up to three and a half years. I came here as newly accredited minister. I am still a newly accredited minister. The usual three years have been extended a bit because I took maternity leave last year uh, but if I can survive the next couple of months and get all my written work handed in, then hopefully I will soon tick over into being a fully accredited minister. Uh, so, yeah, that's where I am.
0: What's your church like? Describe it to us for those of us who don't know Stonygate.
2: Oh, I'm, I've, after three and a half years, I feel like I should have a, a ready made, you know, two sentence description and. Um, we are um, I would say liberal in theology, uh, traditional in worship style, um, which um is, is an interesting mix. Um, <laughs> we are um at the moment skewed towards a more elderly congregation, um, although we have had some some young folk joining us um over the past uh, year or so, which has been wonderful. Um we, the church has always had uh, a keen heart um, for, for social justice. Um, when I arrived, there was a, a long-standing uh, justice group within the church uh, that that gathers to kind of uh, provoke the church to, to keep uh, um, to keep acting in, in that respect, uh, which is brilliant. Um, yeah, it's uh, guess a little bit about us.
0: That sounds really, really interesting. Um, I love the phrase uh, liberal in theology and traditional in worship style. That's probably, to be honest, what I would go and look for actively in a church. That would be the the two ticks. Um, So, um, Lee, we're both clutching mugs, uh, (laughs) desperately um, uh, kind of surviving sleep deprivation. And um, I know that uh, one of the places I first met you was in a gathering of ministers who'd recently taken maternity leave. Um, And we all turned up pretty sleep deprived then as well, I think. Nothing has changed much in five years. Um, And and kind of uh, reflected a little bit about that together. Um, I wonder, um, I know you're writing a little bit about it as well. If you just want to tell us, if you've got any thoughts about that really, just any reflections on kind of how... That has been as a journey because i think perhaps it's something our generation is doing a little bit differently is is having more, more and more of us are actively taking maternity leave during ministry
2: yeah so um motherhood and ministry really came together for me um september 2015 uh on the first i moved to leeds um to be able to start my church placements uh, as a minister in training uh, on the sixth i started that placement on the 11th, I found out I was expecting my first child and on the 14th, I started uh, college um do my master's as the academic uh, part of my training. So um, I wasn't expecting it all to come together in quite that way. Um, but yeah, it means that, that motherhood and ministry have, have always been kind of uh, entwined together for me. and. Um, that has been uh, variously blessing and burden Um there's um, there's a, a great flexibility in ministry um, which there isn't in other roles which means that um, I've uh, been able to, to continue ministry and um, but also um, I have my, my children far with me far more than uh, they would perhaps um, perhaps in another position, um, and um, there's something lovely about being able to do uh, life and ministry with them, and um, and then being uh, so thoroughly kind of embedded in in church. Um, but uh, yes, it can make things tricky when you're trying to you know, tap away at a sermon on your laptop on your knee while also feeding a baby, and and then hoping you don't disturb them while they're falling asleep, and. Um but yeah, and then so then I I then had my uh my second child um once I'd uh moved into to ministry here in Leicester. So um she's 18 months now, her, her brother's uh five. Um, and so we're we're into a new phase of of trying to to juggle things and um So Edward's getting to the age now uh, where he's old enough to be more engaged in services Um, and so that's something I've been uh, reflecting on um, trying to to chat with him about, um, trying to work out how we can can engage him more in the the service. Um, At the moment, my two are the only children we have uh, worshipping regularly with us on a Sunday morning. Uh, We have a Messy Church, which is where we tend to see families more. but, yeah, I'm very much wanting to um, to include him more and um, and hopefully then be ready to include other children when uh, when hopefully at some point other families join us. And um, and yeah, we're very much of doing that with two hats on uh, as as a minister and as a mum. My experience growing up in church was uh, worshipping alongside my parents and, and that was. Um, really formational um for me and and obviously I'm not worshipping alongside my children because I'm at the front it's a slightly different um kind of way of uh, a way of worshipping with them Uh, obviously I'm still worshipping with them but it's yeah a slightly different way um and um yeah so that's um that's kind of a, a big question that's that's going around my my head at the moment um i had um a wonderful uh, experience growing up in church um feeling um very much included as as a part of the the church family um i i've said that i always knew that i belonged to the church and the church belonged to me as much as to anybody else and and so i always knew that i belonged to god and god belonged to me as much as to anybody else and um i really want that for for my whole congregation
0: Mm. Um,
2: but um yeah thinking very particularly about how um yeah how we make that that happen for for the kids
0: yeah I think, um, I remember realizing that they didn't have another minister. So whereas like I'd grown up with parents and, you know, and minister and church that they, they had, um, they, that we were their ministers and their parents at the same time. And that kind of recognition that there wasn't that other person of, you know, appointed within the community to be the person. Um, it's made me realize one of the things I look for in church life, um, is for my children is increasingly the, the kind of where where are there people of faith who can nurture them and disciple them and be those examples and as well because you know inevitably we're gonna be parents first and then they're kind of ministers maybe second and yeah it's a really I think it's a really interesting it's a really interesting scenario isn't it realizing that you're both <laughs> for them <laughs> yes. I both separately.
2: There was a a slightly uh, amusing experience of that when um, Edward goes to uh, the local church school, um, largely because it is the nearest school, um, and and he's been been very happy there. It's been uh, been a great school for him. Um, But because it was a church school, uh, I had to sign a letter uh, to say that uh, he regularly attended a church, um, which I had to sign as his minister. Uh, with a note saying, "I, I realise I'm also his mother. If you need somebody else from the church to sign it, you can get in touch with our secretary." <laughs> um, yes, that was the slightly, uh, slightly amusing moment of those two uh, those two roles colliding. Yes, yeah,
0: and it's not quite so obvious, I think. Whereas when, um, you know, Church of England school, it's the kind of the local Church of England priest is already on the kind of foundation governor on the board and everything. It's a bit different, isn't it? You're the local free church minister. yeah. Um, Lee, um, if I may say so, you're quite young in ministry, um, and um, and you know, it's obviously part of the journey of having children in ministry and not coming after you know they've already kind of got to school age or whatever, um. I wonder, um, you know, how how did that come about for you? You talked about growing up in church. Um, how did that that f- kind of formational journey into into ministry happen?
2: Um, so, yes, yeah, so I, I uh, grew up um, going to church right from being a baby. And um, my parents hadn't been churchgoers, um, but have this kind of latent Anglicanism, um, I think, largely um, their their generation, their experience growing up. And and so they wanted me to be christened. It took me to uh, the local church. Um, The curate at the time very bravely said, "Uh, I'm not saying I won't christen her, but if you're not going to bring her to church, what's the point? That could have gone one of two ways. My parents thought it was a good point well made. And so that was the point at which they uh, they started regularly attending church. really discovered about uh, faith of their their own um, and so we we very much grew up in the church uh, as a family. Um, we were a, a church plant that met in a school hall and um, it was very much a sense of everybody involved, everybody pitching in and the kids would go out to their own groups but 20 minutes once a month Uh, but other than that we were um, all together uh, in the service complete span of of ages abilities um backgrounds and uh and it was it was brilliant and um there was a real effort to to engage the kids um so yeah different families uh, or different households had the intercessions every week um and that included the kids. So as soon as I was old enough to stand at the front and read a few words off a scrap of paper, I was helping lead worship. Um, I took it upon myself to peel the excess wax off the Easter candle and count the coppers when my dad was counting the collection. I decided they were they were my particular roles. Um, and then I was playing in the worship band from when I was 10. Um, and so I yeah felt very much um, involved, valued. Um, and I think that was a really good grounding. Um, I, I met with uh, with some others uh, from that church I grew up in um, last summer, and um, we think from the, the congregation that were there when I was growing up, um, eight of us have gone into some form of um, ordained or accredited ministry, um, and then there are others who are in reader ministry who have been deacons in churches. Um, and, um, I would really love to do a piece of work looking at what was so special about that community that it encouraged so many of us into ministry. but um I think we were given um opportunities. We were given a confidence um that that maybe uh, isn't there in in every congregation. um so, yeah, I think that was that was the grounding um that I had. um I then had my arm twisted into preaching as part of a youth service um, then having moved on to another church when i was 18 and um and that was when i started to get whispers of um maybe this is something that you should be doing um i completely ignored that (laughs) i had my application to study english at university i was going to be an english teacher um so i sort of made a very half-hearted deal with god if i don't get the grades i need to do the english course then i'll take it as a sign that i should be doing theology I got the grades, went to, to study English, um, left that course um, just over a year into to my studies, um, in short to uh, avoid a mental health crisis, but then didn't immediately think back to those whispers about ministering. And um, that didn't really come again until uh, me and my family moved from the Midlands up to Yorkshire, uh, found ourselves uh, in a Baptist church um, the, uh, the Anglican churches in the town were both high or Anglo-Catholic, we'd come from quite low traditions, so um, the Baptist church, in, in terms of the, the feel and, and the, the style um, of the worship, uh, felt more familiar, uh, that's how we ended up there. Um, but I um, that was when I then uh, chose to, to be uh, baptised as a believer. Um, and on the morning of my baptism, four people said things that, that pointed towards ministry, um, uh, including one person I'd never really had a conversation with before, who came up to me and said, have you thought about ministry? Um, so at that point I thought I should maybe be thinking about ministry now. Um, so I was 22 uh, at that point. Um, didn't feel quite ready to jump straight into to formal training. Um, So I started a part-time undergraduate degree in theology through the University of London and stayed at home in Yorkshire um, got more involved in in church, uh, particularly in youth and prayer ministry uh, to kind of test that that call in more practical ways. Um, So I did that over five years and then in the final year of that started the the discernment process um at applying for, for accredited ministry um, I can't remember exactly what led to this point but I remember there being a moment standing in my kitchen doing the washing up looking out the window and the word yes just lighting up in my head um, and I, I just knew that this was saying yes to to the ministry uh, to, to accredited ministry um and um and yeah so so started that process um and uh yeah that's that's what got me here
0: the yes moment is definitely a part of the call isn't it <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard anybody narrate a call without having that kind of there is this there is a point where there's sort of no going back <laughs> um yeah so um, you mentioned earlier that your church is uh, has a social justice group and um one of the things I regularly see on your Twitter feed and um yeah you know, and kind of you talking about is um the some of the kind of your your life really of kind of campaigning for and around various equality uh conversations and social justice issues in general and um I, I'm thinking particularly of the the fact that your church uh, chi- decided to change um some wording at the back of the church um uh, I wonder could you talk us through a bit? that and then a bit maybe about social justice things that you're passionate about more generally because I think um it's one of the things I really see in your faith that's I think really special
2: yeah so uh so the thing with the the wording at the back of the church um we had the words uh peace on earth goodwill to men uh painted on the the wall um kind of at the, the front of the sanctuary so when, when you're kind of looking forward that's that's what you see um what you saw um and that that phrase was chosen because the church has a long-standing uh commitment to, to pacifism Um there uh, were connections with um conscience objectors um the the oral history of the church is that it was founded by a group who broke away from another local church and um, because they were opposed to the ball war and mm. um, actually it was it was so that it was that foundational um, to the church and, and for a time it was known as the peace church um, and so yeah that, that they'd chosen this phrase peace on earth goodwill to men um, in 1924 nobody would have batted an eyelid at the, the gendered language everybody would have known that it meant everyone but obviously language shifts and um, and it doesn't immediately read like that now uh, we know we've had kids come in and read it and, and ask well what about the women what about the girls and there was a danger then that it started to become a distraction and, and started to take away actually from what was a really um important message from, from something that was you know really uh really significant to the church and um so yeah it, it turns out it had been irritating people in the church quite literally for decades <laughs> um, but last year year before time's gone a bit wonky I can't quite remember when um we uh, we made the decision um to have the the final word men repainted to all um it, it worked out quite nicely they're both three-letter words there was an a and an l further down the text so that the copywriter could could copy those um so um so it all matches beautifully um but yeah that that felt really significant it was 100 quid and a couple of hours work it you know when it came down to it but um yeah it making that change I felt signalled a commitment to um, to inclusive language, to to paying attention to um, the way that that what we see, uh, what we say, and what we do, um, how that reads uh, to other people. Um, and you know, we can still talk about the history of, of the text, um, and you know, and, and why it's there and what it means. And um, but now it. it says what it has always said um without that gendered language kind of tripping people up um so yeah i, I wrote a, a blog post when we did it and it is by far the most read thing that i've ever written it really seemed to to spark people's interest and and um and kind of click with people um so yeah that, uh, that felt like a really small but significant thing to do um
0: think um I think the symbolism of it I think I think I'm trying to think what what made me compelled to read that blog post and I I think it's also taking a church on that journey um and anybody who's sort of um you know enables churches to to kind of think about what sort of journey they're going on in that way and um and have that as a really positive conversation I think that's yeah it's really interesting um am I right in thinking your church is an inclusive church as well Is, is that right?
2: we are yes um we we very fortunately managed to sneak our agm in on the last sunday before the first lockdown um which was uh, where we made the the decision uh, to register as an inclusive church and um, and we also agreed our own statement of inclusion uh, wanting to, to lay out quite clearly what that means for us that anybody um who professes faith can be baptized um anybody who um who wishes to can uh seek membership and uh, anybody who is so called and gifted can lead and serve in the church um i was aware of the fact that uh through conversations uh with people who have been uh, stung by other churches that um that people can use the language of of inclusion and welcome differently um and and there can still be um kind of boundaries placed on on that welcome and inclusion so it felt important to, to say that um quite clearly um so yeah that's um in some ways was was a big step in, in some ways um actually it was a reflection of where the church already was and had been for some time um but it, it felt uh important to to say it more clearly and more loudly um it's uh yeah, we want people beyond the, the walls of the church to to know and um, to to hear that message.
0: Hmm. Um, and in terms of other kind of social justice commitments, I think one of the things I've seen coming out is quite always about climate um, and other things, but I think a general kind of sense of fair trade and kind of, um, uh, yeah, I am I right about those? Are they kind of things that you're passionate about
2: yeah yeah I think um the the three main things that we we probably um uh, look at in terms of of, of justice are around uh fair trade and climate and, and refugees um trying to to engage with campaigning where we can with action where we can um we had a great big green harvest festival um last September um which uh followed on from our climate sunday service Um, which was, uh, we managed to engage a number of other local uh, eco groups, um, which was, uh, which was really great. Um, So, yeah, it it was a good opportunity to to pray around climate issues, but to also um, engage in a little bit of, uh, we tried a little bit of craftivism and, um, and also to provide an opportunity for people to learn some really practical things that they can be doing um, in, uh, in terms of of climate justice and, um, you know, living well in the world
0: you mentioned um coming to um baptist uh being in a baptist church and um and that's sort of your story of how you came to be a baptist um and then kind of the following through for um how that's looked for your ministry and um seeking ordination and um we always ask our Um, our speakers to answer two questions uh before we leave um and um one of those is well both of those really about the Baptist Union um and this uh you know this way of being together that we share life in and um so I, I my first question um is the same we ask every week um if you had something to declare to the Union what would it be
2: um I think i'd want to remind us that we're united by covenants and not by creed um and mm-hmm. that we need to put relationship uh, above all else and um, a member of my uh my previous church pointed out that jesus group of disciples included matthew a tax collector and simon a zealot uh, these were people who were at complete opposite ends of the political spectrum and um the gospels don't tend to be shy about showing the the weaknesses and failings of the disciples but i don't recall uh, any massive blow-ups between them so uh, presumably they found a way to live together and um and i think that can only have been possible by defining themselves not as opponents but as fellow disciples um and i think that's where we need to come back to when we find ourselves in disagreement
0: mm. oh, thank you That's a really, really good answer. (laughs) Um, um, If you think that Baptists have something to declare to the world, what would it be? I
2: I think if we can get that bit about putting relationship first right, um, then I think I think that's what we can be declaring to the world. Um, I think essentially we need to say over and over again that we must love one another. And that means seeing one another as full human beings. it might sound soft and fluffy, um, but it's hard and it's real. Um, And it's the only way I think to peace and justice. Um, Of course, love isn't unique to us as Baptists. Uh, We need to be prepared to listen as well as to declare. Uh, But I do think that um, the space to to disagree well in love is written into our ecclesiology. Um, And so I think if we're true to ourselves, we can model that uh, to the, the rest of the church and to society.
0: Oh, Lee, I I just want to say amen. <laughs> this, is, this is why you're one of the people I want to share denominational life with. It's uh, such a fabulous, really beautiful answer. Thank you for today. Um, thank you for coming and sharing bits of your story with us and a bit about your church life. And um, um, yeah, and, and our prayers go with you as you go, uh, you yeah, know, carry on doing doing ministry, doing thinking about uh, small people in ministry and thinking about uh, all the justice and inclusion work you do. Um, thank you very much for coming on. Something to declare.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: So, David, what did you make of that then?
1: Oh well, I really enjoyed listening at uh, your conversation uh, with Lee. And um, I've got I've got a photo of Lee which pops up on my computer periodically. Uh, it's not as creepy as it sounds, um, but. <laughs> my my daughter was determined to go on a climate march in westminster yes. a couple of years ago she's uh three years ago whenever it was so she didn't go to school that day and she made I my wife took well. her in yes yeah, she met you me there and there's a photo of them holding up the baptist uh together baptist together banner um and lee's there next to my daughter holding the banner so every so often I see that so I remember Lee uh from there but fantastic to hear um what Lee was saying obviously she mentioned climate justice in in what she shared with you um but I think I was particularly taken with a number of things but I thought we might start by talking about what she said in answer to one of our regular questions uh, about yeah. declaring to the union and she said about how we're united by covenant and not creed and we need to prioritize relationships and I was like I love how succinct and articulate yet deep and profound she'd managed to capture what I think is our biggest issue um, in so many ways I just thought that was quite something
0: I, I absolutely agree it was it was like I'm going to be borrowing that phrase <laughs> Isn't that just so wonderful? Um, yeah. And and how spot on, actually, that this is the point, right? We, we've always said the Baptists have no creed but Christ. and But what does that really mean for the way we do church? Well, actually, it means that we choose to relate to each other and we choose to knit in and do life together and worship together and all of that church stuff together and not because we have to and not because there's somebody from up high telling us that we have to believe a certain set of doctrines but but actually that we've committed to gather together and I I yeah love it I absolutely loved it
1: and I if I might you know I don't think I'm going on a rant here but you know stop me if I do I just think we're really the culture across our union is just not very good at this sometimes and We're not a big enough group of people to not take this seriously. We Mm. are going to bump into each other again. You, You know, it's not a case of if we were part of a group that was 10, 15 times the size, maybe you can get away with it. You can't get away with it here. It has a long lasting impact on the culture of the whole of the movement. And it doesn't take much to do all the little small things which you need to do in order to put some kindness and some relational thinking at the heart of how we interact with each other. And it just, it's so easy on one level and so frustrating at how bad we seem to be at this. Mm. Um, It's, I don't know, there's all sorts of reasons why that's the case, but I I just thought Lee went straight to the heart of it in a way that was really helpful.
0: Yeah. I wonder what we could do. I think it's such an interesting question. How do we put the kindness back in? Mm how do we prioritize the relationships do you have any ideas David oh boy, like see, sorry I, I,
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I, oh, I didn't realize I was going to bounce back to you so quickly um, <laughs> yes uh, but um, I I it just it's also I don't know I find it frustrating when it just all seems to be so task orientated sometimes and And so, for example, even things like when we reduced the size of Baptist Union Council all those years ago in the futures process, um, never mentioned in that conversation was actually the relational role Mm -hmm. that that group of people gathering together had. And what you have now is a group of people who already all see each other at all sorts of other meetings, gathering together where things have already been decided. It's not to say it isn't good and valuable in all sorts of other ways, but what's been ripped out of that was the relational elements and the building across the union stuff that was able yeah. to happen there and and I think that happens all the way through even things like assembly you know what we don't do as much now is the stuff where they it was designed about sort of communing and connecting and I'm really pleased that it's gone back to be more than a, a day
0: and I, I think actually that's been the big thing that we've we were thinking about. I know when I was still on Faith Society team that that was a big influence into how this coming assembly is going to be organised, because actually, what everybody lost in the pandemic and realised they'd lost was those gathering spaces and places that you know you could zoom into a meeting but you didn't have the conversation on the door to say how was that exactly. your daughter by the way and you know yes. how was you know how 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 was that thing that you were going to at the weekend and and mm-hmm. how did it go and um you miss those bits and those bits of human interaction actually what make life um and and so that i think the real hope of the New assembly, and I have said I say this like they may have completely changed their minds, and it might be completely task oriented <laughs> But um, but I think the real plan was about kind of creating um, you know, this chance to be together and in different ways. You know, both mm. as as kind of hybrid and model of of doing assembly. But um, but yeah, so we wait and see. I'm quite excited. I'm you know genuinely quite excited for assembly because yeah, I'm, you know, I Absolutely. I almost always end up not going to the staff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the
2: corridor. <laughs> yeah.
1: But that's okay. And my when, I, when we moved here um, 10 and a bit years ago, um, we didn't have any children, uh, which m- come on to another conversation we're going to have in, in a second. Um, and we've had two since being in here, which is lovely. Uh, but when I moved, my regional minister here was uh, Sheila Martin. I've been very blessed with lots of wonderful regional ministers. And Claire Blatchford is my latest and newest. And yeah, you know, I get through them regional ministers, you know. Uh, <laughs> and Claire, Claire's wonderful as well. We had Nick in the middle, which is great. Um, Uh, one of the things i remember so much about when sheila was here was just the deep humanity that she brought to the role and and i don't think i ever had a conversation with her even when we had to deal with some quite nitty uh, nitty uh, um knotty is the word i'm looking for some really knotty issues and when i was working with the association as moderator she never ever had a conversation with me where she didn't ask me how my wife and children were Mm. and i really remembered that and and Yeah, sometimes when people are asking you that question in a way that feels like they've ticked the box, which says they're supposed to ask you that question, it never felt like that. So I mean, you might be good at pretending, I guess, but there was just a real connection and um, taking that time, I think really matters and uh, say the union's just not big enough for that not to matter. Um, And there's an opportunity here to to build something that models something else to the world, which, again, was part of what Lee was challenging us about, really, wasn't it? Absolutely. Rather wonderfully. Um, Beth, let me ask you a question because uh, Lee was reflecting a bit on motherhood and uh, ministry. I'm guessing that some of those challenges and, and reflections that Lee had might resonate with you or, or, or not. Tell me about it.
0: Yeah, so I think it's really interesting. Um, obviously met Lee, but we both had, uh, we both got five-year-olds, so both in a very similar stage of parental leave um, and kind of juggling that whole early child life stage on your brain is turned into complete mush because of so many hormones and so little sleep um thing and um for me it was quite a significant meeting in lots of ways actually um we it formed the book um well i mean our stories helped create the book that ruth edited together ruth moriarty's edited together and i would say if any of you are pregnant and trying to work out what, what the heck do you do there's a really good book on the website um, uh, on the Baptist Together website. See, I'm using the language right as well. Um, and uh, <laughs> called, it's something of like Motherhood in Ministry. Um, and it's been written by people who have lived that experience very recently um, and different stories and different advice and it's meant to be there as an early companion because we know for those first few months you don't necessarily tell anyone and you definitely don't want to tell your church Um, but how do you negotiate morning sickness and being you know being the minister and uh, every all the time sickness and being the minister or you know um, and so there were it was a way of collecting together some stories and some reflections and some practical legal help and um, yeah so that is um, that's there and I would really recommend it Um, and I wish, I wish I'd had that book. Um, Mm. so I really um, do appreciate that. Um, I, um, I did get Ruth Moriarty though. Um, I, I, I phoned her up when I was very early pregnant and she gave me some brilliant advice about managing it. So that was good. I really appreciated that. Um, so I, um, I've also got a clerical collar if anybody needs a maternity clerical collar which was also Ruth she passed on to me and and now need to pass on to the world so if anybody needs a maternity clerical collar weirdly unique thing that you don't think about until you're taking a funeral and you're quite pregnant um but yeah I think um so I found motherhood very challenging um and I'm trying really very open about this because I think uh I think it's important to give various narratives around motherhood I think we idealize motherhood a lot in church life. And I think um, that comes out of our theology and and our culture, um, and I think it's embedded into our society in all sorts of ways as well. So I think you can feel alienated from a faith perspective as well, if you don't like motherhood. Um, uh, And it's not that I don't love my children, I should say, um, but motherhood is its own particular institution. In fact, uh, that has been used by kind of social commentators. it is an institution as well and and you do have to kind of navigate it and everybody else's expectations of it and what you thought it would be before you became one and um I really like uh there's a fabulous cartoon that's somebody saying to their child you're making it very hard for me to be the sort of mother I was hoping to be <laughs> <laughs> um but I um so I I, I love my kids but I had horrible horrible postnatal depression and um, I didn't get diagnosed with that because I didn't recognise it. Because it's actually very hard to diagnose yourself with mental illness. Actually, kind of takes others. And it was probably manageable until I returned to church life. Um, and then ministry, um, although I often argue isn't, um, uses a very similar set of skills to motherhood. And I, I'm always nervous when people talk about ministry as motherhood because I think it's, I think it alienates as much as it enables, but um, I I can see why people would say that. And it certainly in my experience, conflicts quite massively. You know, There are times that you need to get kids to bed, but you also need to be at a meeting. And um, so I found that a real challenge, but I found it challenged really for the emotional care that I needed to give mm-hmm. people and hadn't really got any care to give to myself. I and mean, you can't love other people um, very easily if you can't love yourself. And I think also, um, if you've had postnatal depression or anxiety um, or any other form of perinatal mental illness, I think you can really appreciate that um it feels like a failure to love quite significantly. Um and so I um I was really lucky in that I had a NAMS mentor. So I was still in my NAMS period, although I was very cross, the extended NAMS, because apparently having a baby doesn't count as ministry experience. Um, but I I was I was saved by the fact that I had Carolyn and Carolyn really spotted that I was not very well, I think. Um, And she tried to get me to write Theological Reflection on it because you have to write those NAMS work things.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: um, I couldn't do it. I really tried, but I just couldn't do it partly because I actually, you know, having the mental wherewithal to write the work. But I just, it was too raw. But it's... um, it's been really interesting i've always had a second baby since um and i've done all the therapeutic work well not all the therapeutic work (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know it'll go on for a while but i've done a lot of the therapeutic work that makes me understand why brotherhood for me was such a particular catalyst but i um i have big i'm really interested in it as a Mm -hmm. as a result and i So I am writing now the theological work that I couldn't do then, and I didn't have then when I was looking for it. um, That tries to understand something around the spiritual transitions and the mental health questions, and um, and really looking at the kind of you know we I I've discovered the phrase pronatalism, um, which is this idea that in religion we've got this really strong emphasis on having children. This is kind of like um particular emphasis you know we're very pro natalist and um and so what happens when you kind of don't sit within that for some reason either because you're not pro or because you don't have children um and um and i think there's some really interesting practical theology coming out about that in all sorts of spaces at the moment but um i yeah kind of trying to work within that and around that and there's a really there's going to be a project violet conversation around uh ministry and family life so it would also recommend people listening to that um because uh, that's gonna have Lena Toff as well um and all about kind of different shapes of families and yeah so i just talked a lot there but i think what i guess i was going to say was i really interested that lee's experience um has been about integrating family and ministry mm-hmm. and what that looks like for her and i think she tells a really brilliant story about um how do you give children that space and How does she? How she has the flexibility to make family life work for her, and I think is beautiful and really exciting. And um, I I found the opposite to be true that actually I needed to compartmentalize family life and ministry quite separately. um, That that's been quite important for me, both in terms of maintaining an identity for myself, um, but also for I think for my children I feel quite protective about the roles that maybe they're expected to fulfill sometimes as the minister's kids um and so having a having a life where I get to be just their mum in church and not the minister in church because I chaplaincy is my ministry um is a really precious thing but I also think sometimes like yeah but also you know they don't get to see me being minister in church and I would have been quite nice for them to be able to see that mummy is a minister in that really practical way so
1: yeah it's time that's all right so it's uh it's really really interesting and thank you for being so open and honest as part of that because I think hearing other people's stories connects with us in all sorts of different ways and I think it's Mm. really healthy to to explore that
0: and I think also just as the other thing to say before I sh- shut up about this, but um, <laughs> uh, we, as churches, we're really privileged to have access to a lot of families um, and young yes. families. I don't mean like everybody has a family of various <laughs> descriptions, but what I mean by that is that kind of t- 2.2 children and a dog. Um, and um, we have really interesting access to you, to people who have young children um, and parenting through that life stage. And mm-hmm. I think that, um, you know, we know the pandemic has really impacted maternal health because of isolation. Um, and we are in a unique position to be present in those spaces and places for people as they kind of reintegrate and get children back into things. And um, so I really think one of the missions of the church at the moment should be about um, yeah, really through those, you know, the the good old toddler group you know using it to be and messy church and everything else that those are the spaces that we can really do some really important pastoral care and kind of yeah the work of redemption I think is often in giving people communities so
1: amen to that yes and um, one thing I couldn't let us um finish without talking about uh, today linked to what we're talking have been talking about is how lee was reflecting on how she grew up in in church and she was part of a church that was very explicit about giving children a voice giving children space um and i was really struck by that and then actually you know the outcome of that being that so many of them have gone into ministry or or christian leadership in other forms but she said and i wrote it down word for word. she said i belong to the church and the church belonged to me as much as anybody else and so i belong to god God belonged to me as much as anybody else and I loved that and I thought yes oh that I, I pray that my own children might have that understanding of church life.
0: I am um, reminded me of the book Multi-Voice Church by um, Emily yes. Williams's. and I, um, I've i often wondered what that looks like in reality like, how do you really get this to happen and, and she described that book didn't she in action and I yeah, it's it wonderful, um, really exciting. I, I want to be a part of that church. <laughs> yeah, and this idea that she'd been shaped by, uh, you know, praying so that she could read prayers off a scrap of paper. And I just, what an extraordinary thing that that everybody's voice is valued and given space to develop in that way. Amazing. Um, and I and actually, um, you know, kind of think about the identities of church, like, um, you know, the sort of church that she finds herself in now is is kind of with a traditional form of worship but where um you know it's clear that the heart of the church is is about peace and that Mm. conversation there was really interesting um you know and and how they they decided to change the letters because their vision of peace and their vision of inclusivity didn't quite match up to the, the the sign anymore and um she used a phrase, it was something like, oh, it says what it always said, but it's clearer now. And I, what, what a brilliant way mm. to think about inclusive language. That, oh, it's saying what it's always said, but just a bit more specifically so that we can understand that better now. And I just, yeah, it doesn't trip us up in the same way. I just brilliant, really insightful comment.
1: It really was. I mean, I think, I think Lee has a real gift for articulating things in a way which at the same time wonderfully simple and yet deeply wise and profound and that's Mm -hmm. a real gift in in ministry and uh, i'm sure her church are blessed and uh, she's definitely on the list of people for whom um yeah i'd be happy if they were my minister Um, yeah as in fact indeed the people we've interviewed on the podcast say, would be I feel like
0: this is how we end it isn't it I we know. always say this person could come be my minister yeah. what you don't know about this is actually you're preaching with a view
1: <laughs> yeah yeah oh, <laughs> would not be David wonderful <laughs> but if the, if if uh, the lord took me to leicester i'd be very happy to land in in stony gate and to uh, to be part of that well, i mean whether they'd have me or not is another issue but we'll save that for another day and um, i think we'll probably Finish there if it's all right with you um but thank you i really enjoyed your your chat with lee and good to chat with you about it as well
0: thank you david
1: i think it's uh, my turn to finish with a blessing this week so we'll finish with our blessing for the season so friends may you see opportunities to bring hope healing and peace where others do not May you have the courage to speak up for those that get overlooked. May you be aware of God's spirit at work in the words you speak, the safe spaces you create and the relationships that you build. You are loved by God. May those that you encounter know that they are loved too. Amen. Good to see you. Look forward to catching up next week.
0: Thank you, everybody, for listening in. See you soon.
1: Bye.